I kind of had the launch because like I was on unemployment. They don't kick you off unemployment in Australia. Mm. They mm. just make it increasingly annoying to be on unemployment. Yeah. So, you know, work for the doll programs, volunteering, you know, more and more hoops. And it got to the point where there was just, you know, reaching too many hoops. Mm. So I need to figure out um, if, this was actually going to work out at all or um, if I had to go get a menial job and uh, live a life of quiet despair. <laughs> um, fortunately, it worked out. This is the Crit RPG Podcast. Your one-stop shop for everything lit RPG, progression fantasy, and royal roads. So, hi and welcome everyone to the Crit RPG podcast, the only podcast that is again going back to Australia today with uh, a small indie author known as Travis DeVarrell. Uh, you may know him as Shirtaloon. <sighs> you know, I just thought that I would continue my long streak of inviting small indie authors. So I'm very happy that you could make it. Um, how are you doing? I'm good. Okay. Definitely not working. <laughs> if you don't know what that was about either look at reddit <laughs> or subscribe to the bonus material either works it's fine yeah <laughs> okay okay but i'm now i'm good okay awesome uh, i mean in general for those viewers who don't know you yet you have written a story called he who finds the monsters you are currently at uh a lot of chapters. I think you're writing book 11 right now, right? Uh, I'm writing book 11. Um, mm. There are nine books out. Book 10 comes out at the end of November. Oh, great. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, I'm... Uh, what, uh, what, did I, what came out today? Uh, or yesterday? No, today. Uh, I think it was chapter 826. Mm. Cool. Um, which is oh, a lot now that I think about it. Yeah, don't think about it too much. Mm. No, it's, yeah. it's, it's fine, you know. Uh, put in a lot of work to get there, and I'm pretty happy with how it turned out, by and large. Yeah. Just, you know. uh, did you ever look at the Patreon rankings? The Patreon rankings? Um, yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's like a, a site called Graftreon. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, yeah. No, so, someone, mm -hmm. so, someone sent me a link to that. It was like, um, like, fire or actus or someone mm. um, sent me a link because i like briefly got to the top of the writer charts yeah you were yeah yeah um mm. last i looked i was number two behind some guy who wasn't actually a writer who was doing like video game logs or something mm -hmm. yep exactly so definitely... I, 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 suppose, I suppose i could go look that up now that's not desperate at all <laughs> anything to stay for the loneliness oh my god <laughs> Oh, let's see what we can find. I am, yeah, like number five. Oh, man. How the mighty have fallen. <laughs> uh, except, hang on. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, well, a lot of that is I just took a month off. So mm. my Patreon wasn't on. But that's okay. fine. But I'm, I'm looking at the first three, and, and they're all like video game log stuff, like Sims 4 custom content. 
that is that is technically writing <clears throat> in some mm-hmm. ways. Yeah, so imposter syndrome is, okay. I think, something that just about everyone runs into once they start having some success. Yeah. Uh, especially in, you know, creative fields because we've all got that artistic temperament. Uh, My f- and that's sort of insecurity that drives us to create. So a friend of mine, um, another editor coach, actually came to me and I was like, I don't know if I'm good at this job. People are telling me I'm good, but people are telling me I'm bad. What's, what's up? And he came to me and he said like, yeah, Max, but how do you actually know you're any good at having imposter syndrome? And that clicked for me. That clicked. Yeah. What if they um, all find out you're just faking imposter syndrome? Yeah. Because, you know, when I started off, because I, you know, started off unemployed when I started mm-hmm. doing this. And like the actual success part was very sudden, um, but I'd actually been working on my story for about 18 months, maybe two years before I ever started releasing. So I put in a lot of work. Um, but once I actually started the releasing the success, I got quite lucky in that regard. The success mm-hmm. came pretty quick. Um, but that also left me with this sense of, am I standing on a trap door? Is this all some sort of horrifying <laughs> prank? You know? um, and, you know, I struggled with that for, for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, enough, uh, enough validation, you know, enough checks clearing um, from yeah. the publisher and, you know, um, you, you do get over that kind of thing. I think so. Uh, which yeah. is good, but, um, uh, but yeah, it was something I struggled with for quite a while. Yeah. But now I'm at that point where I sort of, I don't need, hmm. um, you know, that validation anymore. Like, um, like when I was starting out, like the idea of getting to the top of like the audible chart. Mm-hmm. or the, the the kindle chart was like yeah and um and mm-hmm. you know it took me quite a few books to get there like mm-hmm. i i'd get to like number two behind freaking matthew mcconaughey's you know book of gibberish nonsense <laughs> and um you know i'd be like god damn you mcconaughey and like you, you're doing all right if you're you're, you're yelling at matthew mcconaughey for, for for beating you out like like you know it's like oh i got number two again what will smith slapped someone in the face and then released not a god damn you will smith like you know like if you're getting cranky because you didn't beat will smith then you don't get to have imposter syndrome anymore. It's like, no, dude, you're doing fine. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's. Oh, uh, I think I, I think I might have might have sealed your doom. Uh, I bought Will Smith's autobiography <laughs> before I bought you Friends of Monsters. <laughs> it was me. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because I'm I'm pretty sure it was just that one number. Yeah, like that that, that was the. Uh... Just like an election, like three people, like not voting for you and you basically <laughs> lose it. Yeah. Uh, but actually, okay, this brings me to the first point. Why did you write this story and how? You mentioned you were unemployed and you were just yeah. going like, I'm going to write a story. Okay. So, you know, I think like a lot of people I've, you know, been writing here and there for mm-hmm. many years, like, uh, I used to write these stories in um, uh, back in high school that were shockingly, shockingly bad. 
Uh, very terrible. And, you know, that's fine. Writing's a skill. Um, and, you know, you can't expect to be great at a skill when you first start. Yeah. Um, that, that's not a problem. So, you know, I write and I write and, and I improved over time. But um, I'm uh, a lazy procrastinator by nature. So, you know, I, uh, and I'm also sort of a, a pantser, meaning somebody doesn't sort of naturally plot out everything I do. So, you know, there's a few sort of badly written half novels um, that, um, you know, got deleted whenever, you know, my computer at the time got chucked out. <laughs> um, and, and no particularly great loss there. I mean, th- there's always stuff like that you can pull out and go back to. There are ideas mm. and that stuff. Then I've, you know, pulled out and recycled. Um, but, um, yeah, I do not have a lot of marketable skills. So, you know, with lots of, you know, unemployment, dead-end jobs, that kind of thing. So mm. um, I found myself living quite near to the local university here. Mm. And so I said, you know what, bugger it. I'm going to go and I'm going to do an English degree. I'm going to do a bunch of creative writing units, learn to actually do this thing better than I can now. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, like I don't think you need to go and do a creative writing degree or whatever to mm-hmm. get good at writing. Um, but I do think it can, you know, help develop your sense of narrative um, the best thing it did was put me in a bunch of creative writing units with a bunch of other writers. And because if you want to get, uh, if you want to improve your writing, then um, having something you've written come back with like a stack of 20 critiques covered in red saying, explaining everything you did wrong. Like, A, it toughens you up mm. to criticism, which I think is essential. Uh, an essential skill and it really helps you go through what you're doing wrong what you're doing great and that was absolutely fantastic Uh, but I sort of reached a point where I got my degree met a bunch of fantastic people um, but then I started doing some postgraduate work and um, writing like very differently to my you know, sort of published style. But I, and I had great fun just doing the actual story component. I was doing a creative writing master. Uh, yeah, the, the actual creative writing part was great, but then there was sort of the attached research component, the sort of, you know, exploring the context. Mm-hmm. And I did not get into it to be, you know, doing a cross-generational exploration of masculinity in post-colonial Australia. <laughs> Like, and I'm just, oh, I hate this so much. And, and that's when I realized, um, okay, I'm doing it again. I'm just, I'm actually using this postgraduate work to stall, just biting the bullet and writing something. And yeah. I knew that I, I needed to write something and it had to be extremely silly. Like, which is how we got to a story about an interdimensional kung fu wizard. Um, so I actually just stopped the postgraduate work immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, by the way, 
Yeah, in the English department, trying to because I I knew I was getting closer and closer to wanting to do some lit RPG because I found myself having to explain what it was to people in the English department again and again. <laughs> like I did a unit called Popular Genres that was great. Uh, you know, looked at steampunk and romance mm-hmm. and you know, obviously um, fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, it did not look at lit RPG, <laughs> but this mm-hmm. was this was sort of just right before it kind of really exploded. I don't know if they'd look at it now um, a bit more because now they have a, um, a graduate who's done quite respectably in that genre, but who, who? yeah, uh, his, his name's Jeff. You don't know. Oh, okay. Mm. <laughs> but no, but I have gone back and like, you know, talk to tutorial groups and stuff as a mm-hmm. you know, guest. And that was quite fun. But, um, but yeah, I just sat down and then started writing for, you know, a year and a half, two years. Um, you know, I, I did a great big draft, I chucked it out cause it was heinously bad. Um, and that was just never having finished a long form book before. Mm-hmm. Like I'd done, you know, short stories and whatnot and like half a novel before it crapped out because I didn't plan a single goddamn thing. Um, but this time, you know, I had a plan. And I stuck to it, like I, I made, because the way I end up writing now is I have a sort of very bare bones plan that I'll follow to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is I didn't actually flesh out the bones at all. I just just <laughs> just left it as bones. So I got to the end and I've shortchanged the world building. I've shortchanged the character development. I've shortchanged the, um, the plot. Like it's all just, yeah, like my first three books are 250-something chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, the original version was 66. Um, it was, yeah, it was not good stuff. Um, and that's fine, like, because I just, I then, you know, I did that and then I sat down and just completely rewrote it from scratch. And it's worked out pretty well. And And part of that process was looking at, how I could actually turn this into something I can, you know, make some money off. So Mm -hmm. I started doing research into how to, um, you know, do a successful release on Royal Road. Mm -hmm. I started looking into getting attention and building a Patreon and when and how to do those things. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of that was just sort of scouring guides and Royal Road forums and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, First of Fire has probably the best one of those going right now. It's somewhere in the mm. Royal Red forums. And when people ask, you know, what's the process for being successful, I tend to just point them right there. But it actually reached the point where um, I kind of had the launch because, like, I was on unemployment. They don't kick you off unemployment in Australia. Mm. They mm. just make it increasingly annoying to be on unemployment. If you are a friend of the Kazoo ad... You have to be very, very strong now. I regret to inform you that Sherlaloon went and bought the tier that removes the kazoo ad from all podcasts. And and now it is gone. So you got Sherlaloon to thank for that. On the other hand, if you want to add the kazoo ad again, there's a tier for that too. Thanks so much for listening, and let's get on with the show. Yeah. So, you know, work for the doll programs, volunteering, you know, 
more and more hoops. And it got to the point where there was just, you know, reaching too many hoops. Mm-hmm. So I need to figure out um, if this was actually going to work out at all or um, if I had to go get a menial job and uh, live a life of quiet despair. Um, <clears throat> um, fortunately, it worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I ended up starting releasing and then uh, I started learning all the other lessons, like the fact that, um, yeah, a lot of the process, a lot of being a writer isn't just, writing which is why you know all of a sudden i'm doing like 18 hour days as i have to learn everything involved and you know do all the fiddly little bits that take way more time suddenly i'm learning the term community engagement and then doing that Uh um and you know there were a lot of mistakes early on like um yeah there are certain people who are going to have opinions about your story that you don't agree with mm-hmm. and starting at a place where you're sort of respectfully trying to explain your perspective of an author uh, and then sort of escalating drastically from there is not a good way to go. <laughs> like, <laughs> for example, my protagonist is, was a retail worker who gets, you know, isekai'd. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he kills a person, he has a breakdown. Mm-hmm. And, um, as you do. Yeah. And I had people saying, oh, you know, I don't know why this guy's such a pussy. He should be like snapping necks. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> he, he, like, he, he, he sold like office supplies. He wasn't in the SAS. Dumb. <laughs> And which is probably good. We've had some problems with our SAS here in Australia. They've been a bit war crimey. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. A couple of years, like, because the SAS is our, you know, Delta Force Navy SEAL, our yeah. super elite special forces guy, uh, guys, and they, um, they, they strongly considered just eliminating them entirely because oh, they were man. just too war crimey. <laughs> huh. Um, so probably best um, that yeah. that that wasn't the model on which I based my yeah. main character. I won't I won't talk about the problems we had with the with the GSG nine. So go ahead. Yeah, I well I I think um, everyone who has like some very behind the scenes sort of special forces people, it just yeah, like a, a lot of uh, the combination of a lot of power. And not a lot of oversight um, is always problematic, and that's in fact and, a key thing in my story. So yeah, and their and their job is to effectively probably kill people. So yeah, yeah. Well, it certainly involves killing people. Yeah, um, and there, there's yeah. a certain mindset that is required and that it breeds. So yeah, cool. Okay, so um, back to the story. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so I'm at the point where I just sort of have to release. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's getting increasingly annoying. But um, uh, so I start, uh, I start releasing on Royal Road, mm-hmm. um, and things go very well very quickly because, um, like, one of the keys to Royal Road, you know, it's it's quite a bit different now. But the keys, uh, the key is still getting on the front page, whether that's mm-hmm. you know Rising Stars or I think it was called Trending back then, but. Um, once you get on 
the uh, the front page, then your readership goes up and the 0.5 ratings start to hit you. <laughs> yep. Um, but, you know, I was lucky I didn't get too many. Um, but actually, um, I actually started the uh, – I've only started, I think, one thread on um, the Royal Road Forum, and I did this uh, like maybe a week after I started releasing chapters. I saw that. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, yeah, it was called something like I just got my first 0.5 rating and now I'm sad. Yeah. And um, that apparently resonated with people, mm-hmm. except for the next maybe two, two and a half years, it kept getting necroed. Every now and again, I get yeah. notifications like someone was applied on this thing you did like two and a half years ago. And the context is so extremely different. Because back then I was an unknown Royal Road author, like so many thousands of people, um, you know, and just sharing experience. So it's almost like a sort of odd time capsule thing, um, given the context. And then, uh, because I'm on a Discord for Aethon, my ebook publisher with a bunch of other authors like Zogarth and stuff. And one of them found this thread. And, oh, my God, they would not let me at the end of it. It's like, oh, no, poor shirt. Poor shirt got a 0.5 raise. Wow. Did I, did I take that thread, screenshot it, and collage it with an image of your Patreon? <laughs> Maybe. But, but um, yeah, but I, I got lucky because I got on the front page sort of by a cheat. Because one of the um, categories, like, because there's various top categories, top rated, mm. top whatever. Mm. And one of them is for reviews. Mm. And there was a review for my story that mm. was the top rated review on Royal Road for mm. something like seven weeks. Um, so even, so someone's review got on there, but it, because it was a review for my story, I'm just sitting there on the front page. Nice. So by the time I've been releasing for a month, my readership has grown uh, quite nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't sure how quite nicely, but um, that sort of became evident once I started the Patreon because it had been a month and I was starting to get people asking uh, when the Patreon comes. Because when I did my release, um, I did like 15 chapters in my first week and then 10 chapters in my second week and then mm. sort of hit my regular schedule of five chapters, mm-hmm. which I still can't believe I thought was a good idea. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm here, so it ostensibly was a good idea. But, <laughs> um, but because of that sort of de-escalation from that initial burst, because I think it's always good to have enough for people to dig into, mm-hmm. um, people were like, you're doing a Patreon, right? Because, you know, everyone knows Patreon means advanced chapters. Ah. Did you have, have um, any of these? Yeah. So, but I had the chapters. Oh, okay. Like, I, I had them good to go. Like, like I said, I'd researched and I'd planned. Mm-hmm. So I was ready for that. And one of the things I'd done, and I don't think you even do it anymore. I think they removed it, which was to set goals in Patreon. Yeah, they took it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... And like I said, I was unemployed at the time. Mm. So um, I set myself a couple of goals, like basically half, enough, half, uh, enough money to get me sort of halfway off on unemployment mm. and then 
all the way off in employment. I'm like, okay, I seem to be building a nice audience here. If I can, um, if I can actually hit those goals in a couple of months, that'll be awesome. And I put um, like bonus chapter releases, like basically double chapter releases for a week for mm-hmm. each goal. Um, and I had the chapters there, like they needed editing and polishing, um, but they oh, were fine. Okay. That was going to take ages. It took a day and a half to clear both goals once I actually launched the damn page. Half what? A day and a half. A day and a half. Oh, my. To, to hit. Because, like, it wasn't, like, some huge amount of money. It was just mm. basically enough to, to replace unemployment benefits. Uh-huh. So it wasn't a huge amount. Um, and that got hit pretty quick. Cue uh, in DJ Khaled. Um, <laughs> but that was sort of the start of me um, not getting any sleep for the rest of the year. Because <laughs> it's like all of a sudden I've got to, you know, edit and really polish these chapters up to a releasable <laughs> state. And I did, and it was great. Um, I spent the next year explaining no. I'm never, ever doing double chapters weeks ever again. <laughs> uh, but that was sort of, yeah. So once the actual Patreon hit, that's because that lucky break of getting mm-hmm. onto the front page of Royal Road mm-hmm. um, really gave me that um, tailwind that helped push me forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was fantastic. It made the Patreon launch great. Um, yeah, but a week before, so the week before the Patreon is going live, so it's all set, I've got everything all set up, it's good to go, mm-hmm. um, and I'm launching on like the the Monday of next week, mm-hmm. and then I accidentally get a job interview, um, which is fine because you've got, you know, one of the things you've got to do on unemployment is looking mm-hmm. for jobs, and that's perfectly fine you know getting a job would have been nice mm-hmm. but the timing mm-hmm. was not nice um mm-hmm. the job itself was like a temp gig doing like call center work mm-hmm. um because they they passed a law um uh, at around that time that basically said that the utility companies mm-hmm. when they were instituting things that would completely screw over the people who paid them mm-hmm. for utilities um, they were now legally required to send people a letter saying, yes, we're going to screw you over now. <laughs> and it was like retroactive for however long. So they were about to send out a bunch of letters to everyone saying, yeah, we're about to bend you over the table. Um, so they were expecting an influx of calls. Hmm. Yeah. So they were hiring some call center people. Uh, and I'd done that kind of work before. Um, so I applied and got an interview, that's fine. It was at this industrial park, like way outside of town, like just beyond like public transport. Oh, God. So so I took a very expensive um, taxi out there for this job interview. Um, And, yeah, well, I wasn't opposed to getting a job because, you know, Mm -hmm. money is uh, better than being unemployed. The, The timing was bad, so I was trying to tank this interview. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like super casual, just problem is not giving a crap looks a lot like confidence. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I was just super relaxed, super chill. Um, They offered me a job immediately. 
Oh, and no. I'm like, oh my god, because like if the Patreon thing works, because that because basically if I got a job, like because I I'd mm. set myself a schedule for writing and I knew how much writing I could do. Mm-hmm. I'd be uh, like during my sort of research process, I'd figured out how much writing can I do without killing myself, mm-hmm. and I figured that out. I was wrong because I didn't know how much non-writing would be involved. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a whole other thing. Um, but so I had sort of the plan for the whole writing thing. So if Patreon worked out, mm. great. I can sort of dive into this writing thing. I didn't have a job. I could just go full-time immediately, even if it wasn't paying straight away. Mm-hmm. Except then I got this job offer, which meant I'm stuck um, either like, and, and the thing is I wouldn't know if the Patreon was going to work until after I'd accepted the job or not. Mm-hmm. But if I refused mm-hmm. the job, my unemployment benefits get cut off. Oh, no. If I accept the job, I then and the thing worked out, I have to quit on my like second day. <laughs> um, but as it turns out, um, uh, my job references, who were all like interstate for uh, supervisors from some work I'd done previously, um, had all like sort of bailed. Um, so I effectively had no references when they mm-hmm. tried to check them. Like we couldn't get in contact with anyone. So um, yeah, we're actually going to have to withdraw the job offer. Oh no! Um, yeah, so I'm like, oh oh no! <laughs> <laughs> well, those are the breaks. Like, like you know, I I think that may have been like the most positive response they've ever heard to say to to, to a job rejection, but. But then the Patreon worked out, thankfully. Yeah. Uh, and I got to go into my sort of job network agency and um, and say, because when I was doing the thing, they, they knew I was writing a book and that was taking up a large portion of my time. Mm. And, you know, there was a lot of, yes, we know you're writing your little book. That's lovely. What we really need you to do is get a menial job um, uh. that takes up all your time and energy. Um which I didn't love. Yeah. Um, but um, so, yeah, so th- there was that sort of moment of triumph of sort of marching in there. It was like, no, it's working out quite nicely. Thank you very much. Vindication. Yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah. Nice. Like, just watch, you know, and, and it, yeah, that was, that was very nice. Um, but, uh, yeah, and, and it did work out very quickly for me i know Mm. you know a lot of people um sort of struggle they release books and books and books i got um very lucky i think luck is a matter of preparation so you're ready to seize Mm. an opportunity when it comes along yeah um and i definitely did that but you know you need that lucky break to be there for you to seize it when it happens and for me it was you know sort of asking my way into being on the front page of Royal Road when I 100% didn't earn it. Um, So, um, yeah, and things went very well from there. um, And the timing could not have been better. Mm -hmm. Because I started releasing um, at a time where uh, indie publishers like, you know, Athon, Podium, Mm. um, sort of became aware of Royal Road and the sort of views that were 
getting dumped by the people on the popular list. So there was something of a gold rush to snatch up all the, mm-hmm. the big Royal Road authors um, because I was way too, you know, overworked and stressed to even look at sort of self-publishing or anything like mm-hmm. that. Like, yeah, you can theoretically make a lot more money self-publishing than getting published. Mm-hmm. Um, but when the real treasure is time, mm-hmm. um they can take those times, you know, constraints of doing that off of you. And I think that is absolutely worth the trade-off for me. Mm-hmm. Self-publishing works for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, and that's great. But um, so, yeah, they came along, the books came out. I think it was somewhere in book three that they really started taking off. Because mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of debate on Royal Road about whether or not you should go Kindle Unlimited. Mm-hmm. Um, because there is that exclusivity that they require. Yeah, but... And, uh, yeah, so, and that means taking down anything that gets published, any chapters that go into a book that gets published have to come down for a royal road. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people that really do not like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But the problem is Kindle Unlimited represents most of the paying lit RPG audience. Yes. Like lit RPG uh, readers are voracious, much like romance readers. And you take uh, that Kindle back. Un- I think there's, a, I, I think there are massive, massive crossover, like crossovers mm. in sort of the audience model and the production model Absolutely. between romance and lit RPG. But, uh, and that's why they both thrive on Kindle Unlimited mm-hmm. because that is a great deal for very, very hungry readers. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I think something like 80% of my ebook sales are Kindle Unlimited. Mm-hmm. Last time I checked, uh, it's been a while, but yeah, it was something like 80% of my ebook income comes from KU. And can I think. Even, can you even sell anything outside of KU? Uh, yes, you can on Amazon. Uh, okay, I got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. people just buying ebooks individually, it's about 20%, mm-hmm. 19%. There is like a 0.5% who buy the, the, the actual print on demand paperbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's pretty much, it's, it's a, you know, Lit RPG is a digital audience. Yeah. And they're a hungry audience. And that means KU. Mm hmm. Um, although I have also done very well on audio. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So I've got a great narrator in Heath Miller. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, also worked out very well for me. But um, yeah, because, but I was very worried because I'd built my audience on Royal Road. Mm-hmm. So there was that fear of going KU, taking it down. I knew there was sort of negative reaction. So I was. You know, I was worried that it wouldn't, um, uh, that I'd stop having that there for people to read book one and sort of mm. feed. And, you know, w- was I um, grabbing money right now but gimping myself from generating new readers down the road? Yeah. Um, that absolutely, that turned out to be the exact opposite yeah. of the case um, because, like, Royal Road is big um and bigger now than then but they're not bigger than amazon like the number of people um that amazon reaches is 
basically most of the English speaking planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, when I went on KU, when I went on Audible, when I, you know, uh, came off um, Royal Road for the published stuff, uh, I found my Patreon um, going up mm-hmm. like vastly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of that was everyone was going up vastly. Like, um, sort of the, you know, the big guys were making what, three grand a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so three grand a month, maybe mm-hmm. on um, on Patreon, and you know, years later, it's ten times that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but a part of that is everyone's been moving into Amazon, um, you know, over this lit RPG boom, and that's getting people. It's driving people to um, Patreon, and I think it is driving people to Royal Road as well. Yeah, because I still. Um, release everything for free on Royal Road before it gets published. And, you know, I 100% intend to continue to do that for the entire series. There will be Mm -hmm. people who've only ever read it for free on Royal Road, and I have zero problem with that. Like, I spent a lot of time, like a lot of my adult life, with very, very little money. So free options are absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, but I try to, you know... Now um, that I'm not in that situation anymore, you know, I try to be a, a, um, less, you know, avoid piracy and that sort of thing in my mm-hmm. media consumption. Mm-hmm. Like, um, uh, but, you know, that's not always viable either because um, Game of Thrones here in Australia, mm-hmm. um, basically Fox, like Rupert basically yeah. bought the rights to broadcast um uh, Game of Thrones here in Australia, mm-hmm. but as opposed to putting it on TV, he put it on his cable network that nobody has, mm-hmm. and you had to buy it as part of some great big package mm-hmm. of stuff. So you had to go get cable, and then you had to go get this great big package if you mm-hmm. wanted to watch Game of Thrones. Obviously, everyone pirated it, like everyone. Basically, the whole country was pirating Game of Thrones to the point where um, they, they actually took the ISPs to court. Yeah. Oh my god! Um, over, and and the High Court of Australia, Supreme Court, uh, basically told them to stick it up their ass. Everyone was pirating it because they made it so goddamn hard to actually get a hold of. If they, you know, didn't want to spend like you know two hundred bucks a month on sports packages and oh, movies no. that um, everybody's already got on streaming. So, oh, no. um, and, and so. They didn't. They didn't actually legalize downloading Game of Thrones, but they like they did the next best thing. Yeah, um, the whole convenience thing. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. And and I totally get. Um, I, I totally get that. Uh, that being also said, like you know, all the pirate sites that have you know stories like mine and Zogarth's mm. and whoever on there. Um, can be a problem because Amazon uses bots to make sure that KU exclusivity is being held up to. Yeah. And if they, they if they get like a, a false flat uh, a false positive from one of those pirate sites saying oh, I hasn't taken everything down, mm. that can mess with your book launch. Oh no. Mm. Yeah. Um, the I haven't caught that. Mm. The closest I've got is apparently they use different bots for like audio ebook and like the, the published stuff mm. so the the paperback thing um got a false positive from some pirate site thought i was 
Mm. Yeah, still had it up. So they shut down the um, the paperback mm. aspect on launch day, uh, which was actually fine because I sell almost zero physical books. Mm. Um, okay. Oh, yeah. Pretty so pretty that sick. was fine, but. Um, yeah, I found, yeah. So basically th- that was it. The, the combination of the lit RPG going, you know, sort mm. of starting to releasing on Amazon, it was all fantastic timing for, um, a lot of lit RPG authors coming from Royal Road. Wow. And that's sort of left us where we are today. Which is at top five of the, uh, Patreon writing thing right under the Sims mods. So yeah. absolutely cool. Yeah. Pretty darn um, good. But, yeah, like I said, like I started talking about imposter syndrome because, mm-hmm. like, that validation was really important, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. when I was dealing with that. Um, but now um, I don't sort of need that so much. I'm doing well. Mm-hmm. I don't really need sort of, you know, the great reviews of thing. As long as, you know, I'm doing well, I've got money rolling in, that's mm-hmm. all great. Uh because I know there's a lot of bitterness, like in some of the Royal Road forums, authors who maybe aren't doing so well. Mm-hmm. Like I know Zogarth um, has been fairly active in the Royal Road forums. And so as probably the most successful sort of active forum user there, mm-hmm. um, he's copped a lot of accusations of like gatekeeping and, and all the stuff saying basically, oh, you've got all the readers. They're not reading the good stuff because they're all reading your what mass produce. And it, and it's and it's it is hot nonsense, absolute hot nonsense. Like everyone who's successful in lead RPG is lifting up the genre. It's yeah. it really is a the tide raises all ships situation. Like yeah, because all the people who are doing well, um, every um, person they bring into the genre is someone new who's going to go looking for the next thing. And, you know, some of those authors who aren't doing so, they might be the next thing. Like and, one, some of them will be because, you know, yeah. someone's going to be. And also the the idea of you are keeping all the readers. It's it's not like Zogoth is running around with a whip and like telling no, you to it's read like, a story. No, you, you're not allowed to read anything but Primal Hunter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, yeah. I mean, I, I can understand if you're like super sad that your story isn't doing well, but that's yeah. mostly a you problem. If your story isn't yeah. doing well, like either you're not writing to market. I mean, like fuck it, my story has a thousand followers. Like, am I crying? Yeah. No, I think it's a great fucking success. I got, I hit top ten writing stars. I'm fucking doped. Like, it's yeah, great. that's that's yeah, that's fantastic. So yeah, I mean, like. Uh, it's a it's a thing of measurements. Sorry, like this this really riles yeah. me up. <laughs> oh yeah, like the the mo- probably the most insane thing I ever saw in this regard. Mm-hmm. was someone talking about how his Patreon wasn't enough to cover his Spotify premium. <laughs> and and he was complaining because how can he be a writer without Spotify premium? If you think about that, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's nonsense. Like, you know, uh. like it just makes me, you know, think of like how the hell did Hemingway Right, the old man in the sea when he couldn't listen to Maroon Five. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, so fair, fair enough. 
fair enough, uh, you know, without being too cranky about this. Like maybe for them, it's their arbitrary measurement of like, yeah. hey, I want to be able to buy my Spotify yeah. with, with my Patreon. And that's a perfectly legit goal, right? Well, and I've, I've no problem with that. Goal setting is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But complaining that you can't be a writer unless you've got Spotify premium, yeah. it's like, no. There's, there's, there's ads. I'll never create my masterpiece. Yeah, I think I think maybe they didn't come out right for that person. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Because there is a lot of bitterness, and mm-hmm. and I get it. Like because a lot of like Royal Road is a massive platform for authors to start off with. Yeah, it's like absolutely fantastic. But if you're not writing like fantasy lit RPG, the further you get from fantasy lit RPG, yeah. the harder your road is to move forward and a lot of it is you know and especially like back in the day lit rpg where the main characters are dude mm-hmm. um and the women don't get too up <laughs> yeah uh, like uh, like lots of lit like especially like four three four years ago when some of the big ones now were just starting out there'd be like lgbt characters and they're um and there'd be some hard pushback for that and yours is like delving right into that right mm-hmm. oh yeah um at the very beginning yep. yeah because i've got a lot of um sort of private messages from people just saying things like um thank you for including like because i don't mm-hmm. have a lot of that stuff i don't mm-hmm. push it hard mm-hmm. but there are characters in there and, you know, I've got messages saying thank you for including this, you know, without making a big deal about it or whatever. Yeah. But mm. I want to get, I want to say thank you in a personal message because if mm. I put this out in like the public forums, I'm going to get swamped by loans. Oh, absolutely. So for the, the ironic part is that for me, the whole like non binary character at the beginning, um, that has nothing to do with the story mostly. I'm actually like, yeah. I'm, I'm keeping the character as it is. Don't get me wrong. I'm very proud of yeah. this character, but. Um, oh no! You shouldn't. Should absolutely yeah. not compromise it's, on that. It's it's just like the 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 fact that they're non-binary is absolutely uh, like it it's comes just, up later on. The, but yeah, I yeah, I need, it, need to read it at the beginning anyway. So yeah, it's a character trait like brown hair or yeah. I I spoke with a with an author friend of mine about this, and he said that well. I should really do more with this character or leave it out. And I do think that's a fair criticism because um, yeah. the author I'm talking to is a yeah. successful guy. And he says like, well, basically what you did is you created the analogy of creating a black character calling on Jamal. Like yeah. kind of get where he's coming from. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I No, I mm. completely agree. And that's why I don't delve like super hard into this because mm. like, I don't want to tokenize. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And I don't want to speak poorly for communities that, um, like, I'm not a part of, like yeah. that, and, and I'm not qualified to be a representative because I don't sort of understand those experiences. Mm. So I have the characters there, but they're just there, you know, doing Do whatever, and, then, and and it's not mm. like you know just one character, but it's and but it's also not like sort of going out and trumpeting like all my sjw accusations tend to come things from things like um Mm -hmm. uh like economic you know viewpoints and you know anti-capitalism 
Yeah, and off and authoritarianism. Mm. Yeah, mm. The, I guess the one thing I do push, and this is like sort of the most milk toast these days of um, of things is, well, not really feminism so much as just having female characters who do things that aren't chase after dudes. <laughs> like I have a lot of female <sighs> characters, and it, that shouldn't be a big deal. Yeah. Like it's not like I'm harping on women empowerment or or anything i've just built a world where um at least where everyone has magic it's a balanced playing field because a lot of the factors that go into Mm. um sexual discrimination Mm. are eliminated exactly mostly what i what i really liked about your approach to this is that the entire idea of pregnancy and that kind of stuff can all be like magically solved and that yeah. women no longer like even in societies where uh, where there's like lots of danger coming out from monster surges and all that kind of stuff. Women don't need to stay in the house and keep the children safe because there's only one woman, but there can be 10 men. Yeah. Men are more expendable. That doesn't. It's, it's just, sorry. Slow down, Max. Let's do it again. <laughs> That's just not true anymore, right? So because yeah. women can fight and they are just as capable as men. And with magic being in the mix, that's doubly true. Yeah. I mean, and, yeah. And, and that's really the only approach I take. I don't try to harp on this thing. But when I first started off, every time I'd introduce a new female character, because I have a lot of them, mm. and I'd be like, okay, so here comes Farish. She's the first one. Okay. Mm. So she's the love interest. And then comes Anissa. Okay, so she's the love interest. And oh, yeah, so yeah, that's, yeah that turned out, yeah. She, she's the love interest. Uh, except then I had two female characters show up, not related to the main character at all. They get mm. their own perspective chapter. Mm. And the response wasn't, oh, so there, there was, well, a sort of mixed response. There was half, um, okay, so she'll eventually be the love interest. And that permeated for quite a long time. That was Sophie when Sophie mm. and Belinda came. Around. Oh, yeah, and you harp. Yeah, the you other sh- half of the response was, "This bitch has got to die." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I actually on on my Patreon long ago. I um, this was somewhere around maybe uh, book eight. Can I ask one quick question? Yeah, is that where the whole Nubal slave thing came from? <laughs> No. Oh, it was just, no. Like, just as, as a response, as a kind of like little bit yeah. of a you. Okay. Yeah. No. Um, no, I, I did a Patreon post because okay. um, this was when I'd reintroduced, this was, yeah, book, book seven or eight. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd reintroduced uh, Vespa Romaros. She was like Zara's aunt who mm. Jason had like maybe one scene with in mm. book two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, but she came back because Jason goes to the place where she lives and she ends up having to interact with Jason a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, people are like, oh, this bitch has got to die <laughs> because, you know, she was acting in a way that was antagonistic to the main character, even mm-hmm. if it was just because they had a personality clash. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, this bitch has got to die. And, and I did this great being long post about how people calling for the death of my latest female character was like my Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because it just feels like every day I get up, 
and people are calling for the death of the, my latest female character. Well, 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 it's a new ad. If you're interested in having your story shouted out on this podcast, please reach out to me under critrpg.podcast at gmail.com. For now, I just finished the first book in my own series, Torchbearer. If you like a slow burn story about weak to OP main characters, mixing magic and technology and numbers going up, you might also enjoy this one. You can find the link to my link tree down below. And that's all for now. Thank you very much for listening and or watching. And let's get on with the show. Oh, man. Um, but audiences like self-select. Like, mm. I, I've, I've been very lucky in terms of like a continually growing audience. So I do get more and more people in. So I do get a lot of different perspectives. But by and large, sort of all that early stuff, like, you know, Sophie coming along and not getting immediately killed and all these female characters who weren't falling in love with the protagonist and, mm. you know, and the LGBT characters like, um, uh, like Rufus gets revealed mm-hmm. as a, a bisexual just when one of the other characters comes out of his room and does a walk of shame. Is he available? <laughs> <laughs> the way the way oh, you, yeah. you the way you, do, you describe him in the books is very attractive. Yeah, yeah, you'd hope, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, but that and like a lot of people were com- completely missed that fact. Yeah. Like I've got like five books. Like, what do you mean Rufus is bisexual? <laughs> but <laughs> well, if, but if their gaydar the, is that bad, maybe maybe that's yeah, why. Right. Yeah, but but all of this stuff and like the atheism, like. Like, my protagonist um, starts atheist, meets a god. Okay, not an atheist anymore. I definitely believe in gods. <laughs> there's one. There's one. <laughs> um, but just the concept of atheism sent people into a frenzy. Like, mm. abs- and an absolute frenzy. I got people saying, oh, you know, in the comment section, like, all atheists are secretly Chinese assassins. And, um, wow. Yeah. So, and, and I've got a lot of like landmarks, like in those early things as aspects of the world or aspects of the characters come out. Like, mm. a pro, you know, I didn't get pushback on Rufus being a bisexual. I was expecting to. I got way more pushback on just strong female characters. Huh. Like, just female I, characters doing stuff. Like, a, some of them get a pass, like Danielle mm. Gellas, yeah. the people tend to love. But a lot of them, especially if they clash with the protagonist, um, they, they get a lot of hate. I think, okay, so this is very interesting to me. Yeah. I think Danielle, especially, and this ties into my bigger question later, Danielle especially is so well-beloved because she kind of takes a, a motherly role, right? Yeah. So, and my question is, why do you think that is? Yeah. I think... Well, there's there's definitely a pattern of anyone who's sort of antagonistic towards mm-hmm. Jason getting a lot more hate mm-hmm. than others. Not not dudes so much, but female characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Danielle was never like that. Danielle Geller was like the person who just looked at Jason mm-hmm. when he was still completely rubbish, mm-hmm. saw piles of potential, and started immediately putting it to use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a big part of it. The the question I had beyond that was, mm. why do you think that 
it is especially antagonistic female characters that get so much hate? Um, I just think that it's becoming a lot more diverse now, but mm -hmm. like, especially a few years ago, like there was a very large core of lonely internet dudes mm -hmm. reading with RPG mm -hmm. and they have been famously not super open to mm. women doing things. Yeah, I can see where yeah, you're coming I'm from. That time. Yeah. I mean, because we go back a few years, we're talking the era of like female Ghostbusters. And, mm. you know, while the movie isn't great, it doesn't deserve the kind of hate that it got. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. And I found pushback against women versus any of the other stuff. Mm. What, like I've got like a, a like a minor character who's like a mag a magical trans person. Mm -hmm. Like just every few years, they'll just sort of magically transition. Mm -hmm. um, got no pushback that on that at all because it comes quite late in the series. Mm -hmm. I think at that point, my audience is mostly sort of like self selected in. Yeah, like all, all the sort of because there there are absolutely stories out there for angry internet people to jump on. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Like I was talking with Heath Miller, who narrates my books mm -hmm. and mine was the first lit RPG that he's done, but he said he's actually turned them down before mm -hmm. uh, because he read them and just didn't want to be reading that content. He There's... didn't want to take all that time going through all that stuff and voicing opinions that he really, really didn't agree with. There's the few. I mean, if you want to know my particular preferences towards some of these, uh, you can find posts of myself yeah. somewhere. But um, th there's there's some that are completely atrocious. You know, with like yeah. mind control is always hard to write, but then it's oh. mind control and it's completely glossed over that this is essentially sexual assault. And yeah. um, and then the main characters are completely fine with it. It doesn't question it ever. Like I couldn't read mm. that. This stuff like that, like because I, mm. I saw some some of the stuff, the translated stuff coming out of China. Mm. I've yeah, like because when I was re just first to getting into it, that's the stuff mm. that was everywhere. Yeah. Um. So I I didn't finish a lot of those, but mm. I started a lot of them, mm. and some of those, the 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 fact like. The, the fact that they were released hmm. as opposed to used as evidence <laughs> um, uh, was was shocking to me. I, I read some um, from Russia where I was like, I can see the cultural inf inference here, and but I do think there's... Yeah. It's, it's not that these people are like evil. I just really think they just didn't think this thing through at all because it just didn't, oh, yeah. doesn't matter to them. Hmm. Oh, yeah, because a lot of the Chinese ones just sort of screamed the one-child policy has really screwed over the men in that country. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you know, there was a lot of like, I, I don't know that they've ever actually met a woman. Hmm. Um, hmm. And, and, and that is just a massive cultural thing that they're still struggling to deal with. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I remember um, that. Mm. That, was, that was not a good um, idea. But before, yes. before we're going down yeah. that road, um, I want to ask you, beyond don't write that, what's the best advice you've ever gotten as a writer? 
Uh, I don't know. I mean, because I think it varies person to person. Like the, the best advice is the advice that you really, really need. Mm. Yeah. So some people um, sort of naturally fall into certain patterns mm. and they're, they've got a whole bunch of good habits. And I think everyone will naturally fall into certain good habits, certain mm. bad ones. So it really comes down to um, the writing advice that you need. Like, um, so f- for me, it was probably just keep writing, stop going back and trying to fix everything. Just keep writing, get to the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause that's kind of what I needed to get to the end. Mm. Um, but then you've got like, cause I mean, there's, and there's lots of bad writing advice out there. Like, mm-hmm. um, like there's sort of famously bad writing advice, like, um, if you're not driven to write, like if you're not just you have a constant need to write, then mm. don't write because it's not going to work out. Shockingly mm. bad advice. There are actually very, very few people who are so driven they just keep cranking it out. Like I think Actus mm-hmm. is one of those rare people who just just keeps cranking it out. They've got that 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 sort of natural drive. Mm. Um, I don't have that. Like I'll get it. And um, I, I use a metaphor, the creative tank. Yeah. So, you know, when I've taken some time off, the creative tank's full mm. and, you know, I'm keen to go. But eventually the creative tank will run out mm. if you write at the kind of rate you need to to be churning out, mm. especially serial fiction. And then I need a break. Uh, but, um, but that sort of keep going, keep plugging along. And what I end, the thing that actually ended up working for me that got me to finish was setting a schedule. Mm-hmm. Like, so, um, so this is sort of how I enacted that particular piece of advice, which is just keep going, which was just going, okay, so, you know, right now I don't have a job. So I'm going to write each day from this time, each day. Um, and I did. Because if you wait until inspiration strikes, you are never going to yeah. write a book. Put as in chair. Um, so mm. I sat down and I wrote, and it wasn't always great, but that's what revising and editing is for, or chucking it out and rewriting it entirely. I don't do that too often, mm. um, but I have done it, and it tends to work out amazingly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Can you talk about a little bit about like just two or three sentences? How many hours do you actually write? How many do you revise? Like, what's your cycle there? Um, okay. So perfect world. Mm-hmm. I'll have some buffer chapters. So I'll write a draft and when I've got buffer chapters, my writing is just better because I'm less stressed. <laughs> um, so I will tend to write a draft then mm-hmm. you know, put that aside and then pull out whatever I wrote last week or, mm-hmm. you know, whenever, um, uh, that is going to be the next thing gets released. It gets, uh, cause, um, and I'll, cause after I write a thing, I'll send it off to some of my friends mm. and they'll look at it, send it back. They'll have notes that, you know, I may or may not say rude things at my screen about <laughs> <laughs> not, not to them. I'll just, you know, like, are oh, you, mother-? um, I'm, I'm still not perfect at taking criticism, <laughs> but but I'll get that back and and I'll go through it, um, you know, revise it, and then I'll, you know, pass it out in mostly for proofreading, mm-hmm. 
you know, do a final polish. Out it goes. And that's that's my thing for every chapter. But if I'm under the gun and I don't have any buffer chapters, that all gets done in a day, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't like doing it that way. I like to have those buffer chapters to go. But, you know, sometimes life just screws you. Yep. And and sometimes the need for sleep or just straight up procrastination screws you. Like I am, I am far from a flawless man. Who is? Besides yeah. me, I mean. <laughs> but um, but that's my process. How long it will take? Um, varies. Like I I totally redid how I sort of schedule like I dropped back the number of chapters from mm. 5 to 3 this mm. year because by the end of last year um I was wrecked. I was doing 18 16 20 hour days because I was just so exhausted that everything took three times as long to Oh and that meant I never got ahead with buffer chapters. So mm. it was just this sort of cycle of being so tired. I never had time to get rest. And because I was never rested, everything took, took longer. longer. Mm. So, yeah, I just took a huge break, reduced my thing. And I think my not just mental health, but also the actual quality of the work, I think, has improved from mm. doing so. But mm-hmm. um, so that would be my other best bit of advice. Get enough rest. Mm-hmm. Take breaks. Um, really, because it, fi- it it solves so many problems. Everything will take less time and be better when you're done, if mm. you've had enough rest, okay. uh, which I have not had today. <laughs> but that's because, you know, real life has encouraged it from me once again. But, um, but yeah, so I can take anywhere up to, I like, I've had 20-hour days. Okay. Um, Usually when I'm breathtakingly tired, mm. although sometimes it's because I'm doing some like great big long sequence, like a battle sequence. Like uh-huh. the, the first time I had a real problem with this was, um, yeah, I did uh, a really big battle sequence. It's the one from the end of book one. Mm-hmm. Um, great big battle, tons and tons of people. Uh, it's the first time I did a fight that wasn't one chapter because I I don't like to overextend fights mm-hmm. um, regardless of what the end of book nine might make you think. Um, uh, so, you know, I try to make fights like if I'm actually showing them, make them important, make them sort of character driven mm-hmm. um, or just, you know, sometimes you have to do the big fight because that's what the story demands. The story demands the great big fight. It's the thing I'm worst at by far. So it takes me the longest. Um, and the first time I did that big fight, um, I did the first draft of it. And that was just like a, you know, tw- a 20-hour day. Mm-hmm. So the first time I like worked that long when I was actually writing efficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it needed lots of work because like, it's the hardest thing for me. So it needed multiple sort of revision passes took me multiple days and that was good because the whole thing ended up being multiple chapters. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's something that makes me take a long time when I end up writing something that ends up really long and ends up getting revised into like, I've done chapters that have turned into two weeks worth of chapters. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, by the by, the time the revision process gets through it all, um, but then um, then I'll just sometimes I'll just have a day where it just goes shwoop, mm-hmm. like just comes out buttery smooth. Like it still needs you know the full revision process for polish and whatnot, mm-hmm. but it'll just come out so easy. And those are the best days. I really, really needed to have one of those days yesterday, and I did. Yes. And and when that happens, it's just like, mm, oh my god! Because otherwise, I um I would have been working on this for so long and gotten so cranky. Yeah, I can see. What you're um, doing. yeah, but yeah, sometimes, um, it just like yeah, dialogue is the easiest thing for me. Mm. Um. My my series is very um, dialogue heavy for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's because it's the thing I enjoy the most. I mm-hmm. think it's what I do best. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, like you know, battles and fights, other things I do the least well, um, which is why they tend to get the most work. Because mm-hmm. dialogue comes out usually pretty close to where I want it to end up, mm-hmm. whereas fights rarely do. Okay, um, so they so- they tend to get the most work and absorb the most time. But like I said earlier, it's, it's about skill. And I think I've improved vastly on how my fights work. That's um, pretty good. Of course, in the series. So first bit of advice is to take breaks. And the other one is get, uh, no, wait, what was the other one? Yeah. Yeah. Just get, yeah. Mm-hmm. Keep, keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Like, keep the run to rolling. Yeah, okay. Once you've actually finished, mm-hmm. You can go back, like, and it depends. Mm. Like, serial fiction versus writing a book, two mm. different things. Yeah. How? Um, okay, so hold your horse for that one because I need to know how you would do the whole revision process in serial fiction because that's something I struggle with and it's very interesting to me. However, yeah, I also have bodily needs, like, for example, eating, and I would like to need that <laughs> to do that right now. So, how about we take five? I got some snacks. Yeah, and then we meet yep. back here. Sounds good. Cool. I'll see you in five. Cool. Ha cliffhanger. Why? Well, because... Yeah, I don't know if you guys know this, but editing these podcasts takes a lot of time. And the good news is that Travis and I recorded about four and a half hours of this thing, which I think is amazing. It took a lot of time and we had great fun doing this. However, this also means that I have to edit at least 12, 14 hours, like just working time editing the content and I can't handle that right now. This is too much uh, and I can handle that in one week for sure. So what I did is I split the content in half. So you're getting one full-size episode this week and then another full-size episode next week with the Patreon part um, being cut out as usual. Okay, with all that being said, Thank you so much for watching and or listening and I'll see or hear you next time.